same old G. It feels like yesterday that I wrote about New Year, New Me season that seems to descend upon us like the plagues of Egypt every 12 months. Ah, yes, another round of cutoffs, clearing social media friend feeds and contact lists, and lest we forget the 300,000 vision board party flyers. I mean, nothing against it, but 70 bucks for me to use my own glue stick, glitter, and scissors to create a homemade poster while someone stands in their cute fit to the front of the room? Mm, no thanks. Insert Trapsy emoji. Nonetheless, I was not at all enthused by the impending possibility of yet another 365 to make any major changes, other than to ensure my words matched my actions. Still, I was reminded of the sentiment that the more things change, the more they remain the same, or there is nothing new under the sun. Oh boy, I was about to descend into the rabbit hole of revolving thoughts. To be completely honest, I was conflicted, y'all. On the one hand, the famous quote that says, the only constant in life is change, denotes that change should happen. And if it's not, maybe something somewhere isn't growing. But then, my life in Christendom echoes, God doesn't change. So, do I change or not? If he, God, the same yesterday, today, and forever... You know, the if he did it before, he'd do it again person. Then why does it seem that for many, the notion of new year, new me, fizzles and fades even before the fireworks are over? How does this God, who hasn't changed since Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, encourage change? And how, on God's green earth, can something change yet remain the same? Same guilt, same grief. Lately, I was told some not-so-good news about someone that had done me wrong many years ago. Everything in me wanted to say, Ha! That's what you get, heifer! And immediately I was convicted. Because in truth, what they did to me was no different than when I lied on my customs exemption form about how much I really spent in the U.S. to avoid paying taxes. It was no different than when I sat at my desk at work and did not a lick for Caesar, but collected my whole salary with such a smile and entitlement. What this person did was no different than me being the condescending prick I could sometimes be. In my haste to sit in a comfy seat of judgment, Grace reminded me that I, too, was not in the same predicament because of mercy. What started as a moment for me to gloat turned into a moment of repentant gratefulness. The truth is, I am equally as guilty as any person I feel has ever wronged me. On the other hand, grief is one of those things we give very little validity to. It doesn't happen only when someone dies. In actuality, we grieve anything that is lost. No? Lose your whole draw then, and I promise you, your entire digestive system will malfunction. Hashtag belly breakdown. Still, when people can't understand why you are still pining over an old flame two years later, their lack of empathy may seem insensitive to you. Well, because we don't equate heartbreak with grief, when in actuality, heartbreak is a form of grief. There's nothing like losing someone you care about, 
even if that person is still alive, that loss has a powerful impact on you. Guilt and grief can often coincide with each other. These are two emotions that can keep many of us chained to habits or notions that we are no longer entitled to receive anything good. For others, these emotions are a constant reminder of who they once were rather than a gauge of how far they've come. However, we find David doing something that goes contrary to what the norm dictates we should do in the face of guilt coupled with grief. Let me set the stage for you. So after the whole David killed Uriah over Bathsheba fiasco, the prophet Nathan came to David and told him a horrendous, heartbreaking story. One of a rich man who had a multitude of cattle, yet he took from a poor man the one lamb he had, killed it, and ate it. Jeepers! David, of course, became outraged and said, Any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. Hashtag slew them. Plot twist. Ah, David said man is you, eh? Hashtag bing bong. Remember, this whole thing happened because Bathsheba was pregnant and it was in an effort to cover it up. But here's what happened next. David prayed to God that the child would get well. He refused to eat anything and every night he went into his room and spent the night lying on the floor. His court officials went to him and tried to make him get up, but he refused and would not eat anything with them. A week later, the child died and David's official were afraid to tell him the news. They said, While the child was living, David wouldn't answer us. When we spoke to him, how can we tell him that his child is dead? He might do himself some harm. When David noticed them whispering to each other, he realized that the child had died. He asked them, Is the child dead? Yes, he is, they answered. David got up from the floor had a bath, combed his hair, and changed his clothes. Then he went and worshipped in the house of the Lord. When he returned to the palace, he asked for food and ate as soon as it was served. We don't understand, his officials said to him. While the child was alive, you wept for him and would not eat. But as soon as he died, you got up and ate? Yes, David answered. I did fast and weep while he was still alive. I thought the Lord might be merciful to me and not let the child die. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Could I bring the child back to life? I will someday go where he is, but he can never come back to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba. He had intercourse with her, and she bore a son, whom David named Solomon. The Lord loved the boy. Lesson When grief meets grace, it births a gift. Same gift, same goal. Ah, Solomon, his life alone can give you lessons for days. Even though David messed up, that didn't put a monkey wrench in the plan God had. Hashtag by any means necessary. But because of David's indiscretions, the assignment of building the temple was passed down to his son Solomon. Hence, we see that Solomon's life accurately depicts that goals and gifts aren't mutually exclusive, meaning one doesn't cancel out the next. Let me say it to you like this. If you've ever had an idea laid upon your heart to do, 
and you talked yourself out of it, be it from fear, lack of resources, lack of preparation, yada, 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 yada. Rest assured, someone else will carry out the vision. Hear me out. Have you ever had an idea and you sat on that thing, incubating it like some hen on an egg? Next thing you know, someone on Facebook posts a flyer coming soon with all the details identical to those thoughts you had. Insert the laugh that turns to a cry. All I can say is it epitomizes because you was joking, becoming a person. The goals and the gifts are all the same. How any of it comes into being depends not on the most available, but the most willing vessel. I'll say that again. The goals and gifts are all the same. How any of it comes into being depends not on the most available, but the most willing vessel. What's the point of being gifted if you only want to remain unseen? What's the point of acquiring knowledge and sharpening tools if you are adamant about being behind the scenes? Pray tell why our father who only give good gifts needn't give any to you. Now let that sizzle in your spirit, eh? All the God-given gifts are distributed to achieve the same goal. That the glory of God may be manifested on the earth. What you refuse to do? No, scratch that. What you have been disqualified from doing will be done by someone else. Believe that. Let's not get it twisted. The plan was for David to build the temple, but many of his actions disqualified him. Lesson? Just because you have the gift doesn't mean you'll be the one to achieve the goal. The gift must be given, a.k.a. surrendered, in order to reach the goal. Same God, same guarantee, same old G. So how on earth can new and same coexist? Because here we are, another new year amidst some added chaos, a global pandemic and all. Now for clarity, I'm not talking about same old G Genuine was singing about in the 90s. No, no. The same God has the power to make things new. Most simplistically, it's evident because day follows night. God is the same, and by same, I mean his nature or his character. It's his methods, the way he does things, that changes. Sis, what? Make it make sense. Okay, if you're a parent of more than one child, you can't think for a minute that you can apply the same love language or same methods of punishment to all your kids. They are all, by nature, meaning personality, different, and won't respond to you the same. If you're single, but have had a few relationships, you can't love Bay of today by the standards of Bay of yesteryear. That's part of our problem. We expect God to show up for us how he showed up for someone else. Seriously, can you imagine God blessing you? And I say that loosely. With a husband like your friends? Hashtag woo child, paging judgment dollar. <laughs> or if he really gave you the big house. But sis, you, you don't keep the apartment clean now. Better yet, if he had given you the promotion. Now friend, you know your computer be shut down from 4.40 p.m. and 3.30 on Fridays. While time or seasons change, God's desire for us remains the same. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord. 
thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. While this year is new and our issues similar, the outcome will not look the same for many. All I know is this, as written by Peter, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Lesson, while God's guarantee to all of us is the same, how it manifests in each individual life will always change. Hashtag new year, hashtag same incredible G.